I just want to read a portion of scripture out of the book of John. We'll actually read two portions of scripture this morning, and then we'll dive into the words out of John 16. I'll be reading out of the NIV. (coughs) Sorry, I've had a cough for it feels like six weeks. No, I do not smoke. Um, It's just a lingering cough. John 16, 16 says, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father, question. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more? And then after that, a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep, you will mourn, while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. In some translations, sudden joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. Say, her time has come. I feel like somebody's time has come. Today, somebody's time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish. She forgets the pain because of her joy that a child is born into this world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Say, can't take my joy. <laughs> Slide over a few chapters to John 20. We're going to hop around to a few portions of scripture here. Started in verse 19, it says, on the evening, that's important, on the evening of the first day of the week, this will all tie in at the end, trust me, when the disciples were together, say together, you might wanna underline it if it's in your translation as together, when they were all one, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. Now, this is so important. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today uh, on a message titled, Get Back to the Room. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell him, get back to the room. Touch your other neighbor and say, run back to the room. Get back to the room, run back to the room. Let us pray this morning. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we ask that you would do what only you could do in these next few moments. Let it not be me. Let it not be my words. Let it be your words. And let people know you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. (laughs) Well, we're just going to dive in because the clock's ticking and I talk a lot. So I want to pick up in John 16, but before we get there, you have to understand a little bit about the disciples' life. You have to understand a little bit about the last three years of the disciples' life. A lot of us, we skim through these chapters and we don't really realize that John 14, 15, and 16 are a culmination of what we call the Last Supper. Now, previous to the Last Supper, three years of Jesus' ministry with 12 men, they've seen a lot of ups and they've seen a lot of downs. They've seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Uh, One of my favorite miracles in the entire Bible is Jesus tells Peter, hey, you got to pay your taxes, so go fishing, catch a fish. There's a silver coin in the fish's mouth, turns around and pays the taxes. Where's that at in February when the IRS comes knocking on the door? Amen. 
by far favorite miracle. It's wonderful. Catch a fish. Like, man, wish I could do that. He turns water into wine. He walks on water. He calms the storm. He's been with them high. He's been with them low. He's been asleep on a pillow. He has done all this stuff for the disciples, and it has led us to this key moment that a lot of us, we kind of read over because we're so used to seeing all the wonderful pictures of the Last Supper. If you grew up Catholic, you probably have seen them in your grandma's bathroom, in her purse, or above the toaster in the kitchen. I actually have a picture of the Last Supper, well, part of the Last Supper here, if you can pull that up, because I love awkward photos. There is nothing more amazing than Jesus washing the disciples' feet, right? This is also taking place moments before they eat with Jesus. Side note, if anybody is ever washing feet and you're about to eat, you probably shouldn't eat the food. It's a little weird. <laughs> but we overlook it. We, we, we think that this is just the Last Supper. Jesus is going to say some cool stuff. And it's great when, in fact, it's really awkward. It's like not the coolest time in the world for the disciples. Like there's a lot of persecution going on. They're in this room. And Jesus starts saying some crazy stuff. I, I wrote them all down here. So he sets up the foundation of a new covenant. He claims that the world is full of hatred. He claims that he is the true vine. He tells Peter, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me. This is an awkward dinner. This is worse than Thanksgiving with uncles and aunties that you do not want to talk to. This is bad. And we overlook it all the time. We're just like, yeah, it's the Last Supper, and Peter's going to deny him. Like, could you imagine being at the dinner? Like, could you imagine being Judas? One of us around this table is going to betray us. <laughs> this is great hummus. Peter. What did he say? Oh, he said somebody around the table is going to betray us. Who do you think it's, it's got to be Peter? He's going to deny him. I mean, come on. Hold on one second. I'm enjoying my hummus bowl. Let me take a picture of it. Because that's what we do. We take pictures of food, right? Geotag location. Upper room. <laughs> Can't wait till we get to the garden. Hashtag hummus. Hashtag keto. But wouldn't it just be amazing to be a fly on the wall for the Last Supper? And, and you have to truly understand that what Jesus is saying to the disciples is something so revolutionary and they've never heard of it. He says, in a little while, I'm out of here. But a little while after that, you will see me. Now, the disciples are so confused because for three years now, they've seen Jesus in flesh and blood. And reality is they're in denial of what is actually about to happen. They don't believe it. They're like, no, you're not going to go to the cross. Like, you're God incarnation. Like, you're not going to die for the sins of the world. And so here they are at the table, and it's almost like disbelief that Jesus is about to do this. And then he drops a bomb on these disciples. He's like, in a little while, I'm leaving. In a little while after that, you will see me. The Message Bible says something so crazy. I didn't put it up there for sake of time, but it says it causes a hornet's nest of questions. Last time I checked, a hornet's nest is not no nice place to be. So do we understand the tone of this meeting? Do we understand the attitude of this meeting? It's not like, hey, buddy, how are you? It's like, Jesus, what do you mean? You're leaving us? You've been with us for three years. You turned water into wine. It was really good wine. Why are you leaving us? It's not a happy moment. 
to imagine your savior, the one you've been with for three years, who's poured his life, heart, and soul into you and other people is supposed to leave. So then he senses their confusion and he starts talking about birth. I know nothing about birth. I'm a man. Just throwing it out there. But shout out to all the women in the room who have. I know nothing about it. I choose to never know nothing ever about it. In fact, my wife says that tooth pain is comparable. So, fellas, we have her out. Chronic tooth pain. That's it. Trump's labor. It's wonderful. So next time she's mad, you just say, my tooth hurts so bad. That's how you do it. I'll never forget when Nadia dropped the bomb on me that she was pregnant. Never forget it. In fact, I knew she was pregnant. I'll go to my grave with this knowing that she was pregnant. Because our dog kept sleeping by her for 10 days straight, and she woke up to pee like four times a night. I think it was her waking up four times a night, and I was like, something's not right. <laughs> something's not right. So then I get a text message. She says, hey, will you come pick me up from work? I'm like, yep, sure, on my way. She said, actually, meet me at Starbucks. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll meet you at Starbucks. I get to Starbucks, and I park. It's like, it's like parking, and you're like, oh, man, this is about to happen. This is the moment. I get out of the car, start walking. I see her friends in the Starbucks window with their phones laughing and giggling, and I'm like, this is the moment. So I sit down, and I'll never forget how she dropped the bomb on me. She slides the coffee across the table. She turns it and says, baby daddy on it. I said, that's right, girl, I am your baby's daddy. And it was from that moment forward that our life completely flipped upside down. Everything changed. Everything was different. But we had a realization. It wasn't like, hey, I'm pregnant. It's February. It's March. Here's the baby. It's like, in reality, you want that baby to stay in that belly as long as it can. As long as it can. And so to understand a little while, I'll bring up point number one. Point number one is it will take a little while. Notice the emphasis on it will take a little while. This is not some microwave oven Christianity. Let me actually define a little while for you. This is going to change your life. If you're taking notes, get ready for it. What is a little while? I'm going to help you. This is a little while. I don't know. You don't know. And that's okay. Because I refuse to complain in a waiting season. I refuse to get jealous in a waiting season. I refuse to be impatient in a waiting season. I refuse to say all hope is lost in a waiting season. In fact, my Bible says that in Isaiah 40, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will not faint. So, so in a time of waiting, what do we do? We go, man, I'm gonna mount up on wings like eagles. I'm going to have the best, most positive attitude I can possibly have. It was crazy because when Nadia was pregnant, we, um, we were really, like, active, like, traveling. I, I've never traveled so much in, like, a nine-month season as we did there. Can you pull this picture up for me real quick, Daniel? So, if you don't know I'm a diehard Dodger fan, don't cross me. Don't cross me. 12-game lead in the division. Don't cross me. You see that smile on her face? 
you would not know that on that day, it was 105 degrees. It was the hottest day in a decade in California. It was humid. She had thrown up three times. She had been chronically throwing up up until this moment. And yet here she is supporting her baby daddy (laughs) at a Dodger game. Not only did she go to a game with me, we ended up going to California four times that year. We ended up flying to Oregon for the 4th of July there in the summer. We ended up coming back home, taking our goddaughter to Disneyland for three days, where it was also over 90 degrees and humid. She also was a bridesmaid in two weddings, my mother-in-law and my sisters, at nine months pregnant. A bridesmaid, people. Mind blown. But it's so funny because a lot of doctors will tell you that you have to be active when you're pregnant. They want you to walk as much as you can. They want you to still get exercise as much as you can. So to bring the point full circle, when it's gonna take a little while, don't be lazy. Be active. Be a person who is going to go for it and not sit back and go, woe is me and woe is my life. Netflix. This is where I shall sit for the next week. I don't have a job. What am I going to do? Get on ZipRecruiter. Apply. They're going to email you 50 times a day. They still email me 50 times a day. I need to unsubscribe or something. Get up off your butt and do something. Distract yourself. It's healthy. Point number two. You have a promise. Cling to it. She might have been throwing up. She might have been nauseous. She might not have wanted to go anywhere. But at the end of the day, she knew this is just a season and I have a promise. I don't know what your promise is. Speaking metaphorically, that might be a dream or a vision or a promotion. Cling to it. There's two promises here that he's talking about in John 16. There's the promise Jesus and there's the promise the Holy Spirit. Cling to Jesus. Cling to the Holy Spirit. It's all we got, people. Life is fickle. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Your job is fickle. People are fickle. God is not fickle. So put your faith and your trust in the promise of Jesus. That's all you have. That's all we have. there's, There's one thing that I want to define, and it's the word denial. Uh, The definition of denial is a refusal or unwillingness to accept something or to accept reality. The disciples are in a moment of denial. They're in denial. They will not accept the fact that Jesus is leaving. They will not accept the fact that he's going to go to the cross. In fact, they really don't want to believe it, and that's why they're so upset. We have to accept reality. Let me help somebody out today. It is okay to accept the reality that not everything right now is okay. We put on our fake face when we come to church, I call it. Pastor says it all the time. You'd be fighting with your wife. You'd be yelling and screaming. Claws are out. The kids are in the back. Shh. That's what Zion does when we are having a heated discussion. It's interesting. We'll be like, she'll be like, you said this. I'll be like, no, I didn't. I said this. And Zion's in the back. Shh with his pacifier in his mouth. Shh, don't judge me. Yeah, he's two and a half. He has a pacifier. I just got the glare. He was like, a pacifier? Yeah, 
Yeah, he has one, all right? Relax, it's gonna be okay. They're gonna fall out anyways. I just offended every dentist in the whole room. <laughs> it's all right. We love him to death. He is cute, thank you so much. It's my boy. The disciples are caught in a moment of denial. How many times do we find ourselves so far in denial that we can't see the promotion? How often do we find ourselves so far in denial that we can't see the healing? This is real stuff. You go to the doctor 10 times and it's bad report after bad report after bad report after bad report. At one point, you have to choose in your mind to still believe that God is good. Because you could find yourself so far in denial, so backed up with negativity that you can't see your promise. I got saved in 2005. Felt like I got called to the ministry in 2005. July 15th, to be exact. Sorry, sis, stole your birthday. So years later, here I am, and I'm going, man, I'm going to get married. This is the moment. Two become one. We're going to start our lives together. We're going to pastor the church. First year anniversary. This is the year. It's going to be good. Year later, second year anniversary. Well, this hotel really does smell really nice right now. It's a great place to work. It's paying the bills. It's awesome. All these people are unsaved. And, but whatever. Year three. Oh, man. Married three years now. This is it. This is the year. I'm going to walk into that office. It's going to be the moment. The promotion's coming. Year four. Tragedy strikes. Whatever it may be. Death in the family. Loss of a job. You're like, oh, what's going on? thought you were with me, God. Year five comes around. You're like, whoa, I'm getting old. Like, my knee hurts. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Heal my knee and heal my heart at the same time. I'm getting mad. Then the baby shows up and you're like, man, this is awesome. Pray for me. This is amazing. Always driving me crazy. This is wonderful. Just go to your room. Your six kicks in and you forget. Let me tell you something. There's something so powerful in a moment that you can completely forget about it. And replace that with just loving Jesus. All of us are on a track. All of us are on a journey. Some faster, some shorter, some longer. I don't know your time frame. That's why I defined a little while. So I don't know. You don't know. And that's okay. Point number three. You have to get back to the room. Get back to the room. There's something so powerful about this portion of scripture that if you're a saved saint, you're going to track me. If you're new and you don't know much about it, revelation coming for you. This upper room that they had the Last Supper in, that they received the promise of the Holy Spirit in, is the same room we find ourselves in John 20. It's the same exact room. Can you pull up Mark for me? In Mark, it actually says that right after Jesus leaves the supper, he goes to the garden, Peter denies him, Judas betrays him, 
He gets arrested. And what did the disciples do? They fled. Denial will cause you to flee from the promise. And the promise that is Jesus. It's very dangerous waters. It will cause you to flee from the promise. But there's something so powerful. And if I could have the keys come back, because I told you I talk a lot and time's running. There's something so amazing that the disciples did, because I find myself here. I think we've all found ourselves here. Some of them backslid. We're talking about three days in a godless world. Let me throw some theology on you. Jesus is dead. There is no Holy Spirit. Where's Jesus? Most theologians would say he is fighting hell and bringing back the keys with him. So what's going on on earth? It's godless. And the disciples are mourning. They're at a loss. They don't know what to do. So you know what they decide to do? They decide to, well, let's go back to the room. That was the last time it was it was remotely great. So let's go back to the room. And, and there's something so powerful about going back to the room because when they went back to the room, it was a period of mourning. And in the Hebrew culture, it was called sitting Shiva, S-H-I-V-A. Shiva meaning seven. All my Jewish people out there know exactly what I'm talking about. So for seven days, they would go back to the room and they would sit, Shiva for seven days, culturally. They weren't allowed to talk, they just mourned, and they sat. Sometimes we need to go back to the room and just sit Shiva before God. Why am I here today? I'm here today because not only did the disciples sit Shiva, they stayed together. So why am I here today? I'm here today because my squad rolls deep. Kyle, come up here. When times are rough, things are hard, and you don't quite know what to do, you stay together. You sit Shiva. Omar, come up here. What do you do when you get laid off? And the money's funny, and the change is strange. Thank you, Robert Madhu. You sit Shiva. You get back to the room. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You sit. Chris, come up here. You stay together. Jeff, come up here. You don't move. You lock arms and you stay together. This is why the house of God is so important. This is why the upper room is so important. Because sometimes you don't know what to do. You don't know what's going on. You just say, God, I'm really confused right now. I'm really fed up. You promised this. You promised that. And all of a sudden, you're together, and I want to run, but I can't run. I want to hide, but they won't let me hide. And I really don't know what to do. So I'm going to tell my friend, and he's going to tell me, I'm praying for you, brother. I got your back. I know what you're going through. You sit 
shiva. You don't move because the reality is though they thought they were going to sit for seven days, they only sat for three. And on the third day, when Jesus rose from the dead, he comes out of the tomb and he appears to the disciples in the upper room. And he says, here is the promise I gave you in the first place. The promise of the Holy Spirit. I commend the disciples for living three days in a godless world, but I am so thankful that I don't have to go a day without living, without the Holy Spirit, my comforter, my rock, my portion, my everything. It is the Holy Spirit that will get you through a little while. It is the Holy Spirit that will remind you of the promise that you have. My squad rolls deep, and so should yours. I didn't know two of these people before we planted this church. And that's the beauty of the church. Get plugged in. Come to breakthrough class. Get involved in a small group. This is why we do what we do. I just want to pray for you this morning, and then Omar's going to come up and take salvation for us. Jesus, you're so worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. We thank you that even in a little while, that God, you're still with us. We thank you that in some seasons, we just need to sit down. We just need to be in the house of God. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy and for what you are doing here at City Light Church. Would you bless these people? Would you keep these people? And what you do with these next few moments, which you can only do, and that's change the heart. In Jesus' name, amen.